Welcome to the Dynamic Leaders Podcast, part of the Talent 409 Network. We are helping people discover their talent altitude. On this pod, listeners can learn about leadership and other related attributes from former and current successful business people, coaches, and athletes. Each episode will bring you a conversation with people that display the seven pillars of dynamic leadership. Someone who possesses those seven pillars has courage, drive and accountability, integrity, grit, great communication skills, a high level of emotional intelligence, and they can motivate others. We will also talk with individuals that use their athletic and competitive experiences to lead in life, in business, community, or in their family. This podcast is available on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, iTunes, and Apple Podcasts. If you have time, please take a minute and on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and review. As we roll along this summer, I want to let you know that we have a lot of really exciting things coming up for the podcast, including episode number 50, which is going to be super, super interesting, and it's taking everything out of me not to ruin what the surprise is going to be and who's going to be on as a guest. Make sure you tune in for that one in a couple of weeks. This is episode number 48, so there's still another episode between now and episode 50. That's exciting, and we also are going to be doing a bunch of collaborative ideas that are a little bit different than the current version of the podcast, doing a mailbag episode where listeners get to send me questions and I will answer them to the best of my abilities. So much to look forward to. It's going to be a lot of fun. But for today's podcast episode, my guest is Rebecca Harris. Rebecca is a guard for the St. Louis Surge basketball team. She played college basketball at the University of Illinois and also plays professionally overseas. Awesome athlete, super motivated, really awesome person too. She has a military background, super driven, a lot of great ideas, things that she's trying to do here in the future to help women in sports. And I just think you're really going to enjoy this conversation with Rebecca. So let's sit back, relax, get comfortable, And let's jam one final time this month to Jet, Are You Gonna Be My Girl? Okay, everyone, welcome back to the Dynamic Leaders Podcast. Today, my guest is Rebecca Harris. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. Let's dive right into everything. So many interesting things to get to. But first, as always, I want to give you an opportunity to tell our listening audience, who are you? Rebecca Harris. Um, friends call me Beck. I graduated from the University of Illinois, played basketball there after transferring from Ren Lake College, a junior college. I am one of four kids. I'm the oldest girl. I have an older brother named Jay Omar. We call him Josh. Um, he's in the military in the Air Force. And then I have two younger sisters, Burl and Jasmine. Um, we all come from a 
family, we're all military brats. My father served in the Air Force. My mom, she's worked 20 years retail and selling shoes, and she is a leader and a competitor in her own right there. But yeah, I am a, a professional basketball player. I've trained, I've coached, and uh, I am creating a creative avenue for athletes alike who like to dive into the other things that they hold near and dear to their heart. So uh, I've created something called Best Ever Created that just kind of highlights athletes, mainly female athletes, but all athletes, and highlights their talents on and off the court. Awesome. Can we start just by talking about your childhood and growing up, as you said, in a military family, there's a lot of travel involved with that voluntarily or not for your part, especially being the child in the situation. But from the background and everything I've gathered on you, it seems like you enjoyed the travel when you were younger. You still like to travel, but can you tell us a little bit more about what it's actually like to have to get up and move and relocate as often as you did when you were younger? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think any military brat that is born into it, uh, meaning like your parents were already in the military when you were born, it's just a part of life. You are used to it. You know, people ask me all the time, like, do I wish I did this or that? And I'm like, I, I didn't know anything else. So I, I was used to it. I was born in California at March Air Force Base, which is a retired Air Force Base now. My grandfather, who he was actually in the military, he worked on that base just for fun. Uh, he doesn't have to work, but he, he likes to uh, have a schedule and get up and, and do those things. So he still does some work on that base. I think it was about two months after I was born there, my father was stationed in the Philippines at Clark Air Force Base, and we had lived there for about five years. I grew up there. My first language really wasn't even English. It was Tagalog, which is Filipino, because the nanny and and house girls that I did have that I were around a lot, they were speaking Tagalog, and I, um, I learned how to speak their language first. And I actually have a funny story about about that. We can get to that in a little bit. But after living in the Philippines for five years, we actually had to evacuate due to a volcano eruption in 1991. Uh, Mount Pinatubo erupted. It had been idle for years. And then all of a sudden, here it was erupting, and we had to emergency evacuate. And so my family was forced to kind of leave everything behind and we had to leave immediately. We went to California, where uh, my grandparents are, and we stayed there for a little bit, like two months, until they figured out where our next base would be, and until like everybody was together and met back up with all of their family. Then we moved to uh, Japan, Okinawa, Japan, which is by far my favorite place on the planet. Just absolutely love the Asian and Japanese culture. We were at Kadena. Air Force Base, were there for about three years. Then we moved to Germany. I was at Simbach and Kaiserslautern for about another three and a half, four years. And then by this time, I had actually already developed some skill in playing basketball, and my parents could see that I, I would probably be able to turn this into something. And so my dad had made a conscious decision at some point to make sure right before I got to high school, that we would be stationed in the state. That way I would get the opportunity 
to get a basketball scholarship and to go on from there. So after Germany, we actually moved to Scott Air Force Base in Belleville, Illinois. And I went to Mascuta High School, and then that's where things really kind of took off from there, basketball-wise. Very cool. And I want to get into athletics here in just a minute. But first, I'd be curious, you hear about Air Force, military, Army. There is a lot of really great values and a really a lot of really great lessons that you learn if you're in it. And I'm sure that being a part of a family, those values are passed down. Did you feel like you were affected positively in that way? Like you had learned values that maybe some of your friends or your peers didn't necessarily have because they didn't have parents that were in the military? Yeah, absolutely. I think once we moved to the States and I was pretty much introduced to, I guess, a lot of Americans, more Americans that did not live on the base and did not have those same values, that's when I realized, like, we had a little bit of a different core system in my family than most. Although my parents weren't, like, crazy strict, because I do know some some people who come from a military background, and, like, you had no choice. They got up at 6 a.m., they did these things, you know, and, and they folded their clothes a certain way. I do know some of those people, but my family wasn't necessarily like that. But I did see, you know, my father get up, at the same time, every morning and put on his uniform. And I take pride in that because everyone doesn't go through that. They don't know what it's like to have that structure and that pride in doing something at a high level, no matter what it is. You know, I, I followed in his footsteps in that regard of taking pride in something that I would do every day, which would be like going to the gym and things of that nature. Um, also, I saw firsthand of leadership from him other than just the leadership, just the structure of taking something you do and the people around you and pushing yourself to reach a certain goal. And these are things that whether or not he wrote down to implement, these are things that we saw in our household. And, you know, he retired after about 22 years in the service. So these were things that we saw every day. It became weird when he retired and he no longer had to get up at a certain time and put on his uniform. It was interesting in that regard, getting used to him being a civilian. But yeah, there's a lot of things that for sure I could, I could take from my upbringing that has led me to where I am now. That's awesome that it positively impacted you in the way that it did. Now, if we focus back in on athletics, was basketball always your game or did you have aspirations to play other sports when you were younger? Tell us a little bit about that. I did play some other sports. Um, soccer was the first sport that I played on an actual team. But the first time I picked up a basketball, I was about three years old. And my, my father loved to tell this story where we were at like a, a gathering over some friend's house and a barbecue. You know, the little tight, like, hoops, those were outside, and people were playing on them, and I kind of walked over, and a ball rolled near my my feet, and I picked it up, and I'm shooting, and nobody else was around at this time, and I'm shooting, and I'm getting my rebound, and then a little boy comes over, and after I shoot the ball, and the ball goes wild somewhere, and the little boy goes to get it, I thought he was stealing it, so I 
punched him and he dropped the ball and ran away. And my, my dad is just like hysterically laughing because he's like, okay, yeah, I see that she kind of likes this and, and she doesn't want anyone else to have the ball. And I mean, it was that moment, I think for him more than anyone that things clicked. But I, ever since I picked up a ball, I liked it. And it really didn't matter who was around. I could play with anyone. So there are times that at three, four, five years old that I'm playing with some construction workers that are on their lunch break. And they were nice enough to let me shoot around with them while my parents are giving an eagle eye from a little bit of bar just watching to see how I react. But I am a lover of all sports. I consider myself pretty athletic. I actually dove into a little bit of flag football a few years ago and really enjoyed that. So, I mean, I played softball growing up. I ran track. But, yeah, I, I enjoy all sports, but basketball is my, my main one, my true passion and love there. Awesome. So tell us about when it started to become real. Like, when did you know that, hey, not only could I potentially play in college, but, hey, I could even make it to the pros. What was what were the – I know they're two separate moments, obviously, but what was that like? I really started to see more of a change when I got to the States because it's, it's much bigger in the States or it was much bigger in the States at that time um, when I was in middle school and heading into high school. You know, my parents saw it before I saw it. I used to just play for fun and even me playing for fun, I was still the most competitive one there was. <laughs> um, I always played with guys. And mainly before high school, I played with guys because where we were, it was just mainly the guys playing and there weren't enough girls playing. So I, I fit right in with them and I went hard with them and there was no drop off and they would invite me to play wherever they were. When we got to the States, it was the end of seventh grade. I was entering eighth grade and then I come and it's a middle school and they actually have a, a, a girls team. And at first, I was opposed to it. I was against it. I'm like, I don't want to play with girls. I don't because it just wasn't fun for me. I I was better than the girls that were around. And I didn't know how I wanted to go about it. But once I played with them and I got to know them, and then I saw, I guess, how good I was in comparison to the girls around me, things started to click a little bit more. And then other opportunities started to come where people were coming to ask me to play on this or that AU team. Um, And then the letters start rolling in from colleges. You know, from there, things pick up. And I'm like, okay, you know, I could really, really do something here. And so that became the thing in high school, the focus, you know, and I didn't play other sports as much because I was focused and keyed in on playing basketball and taking it as far as I could take it. Once I got to college, and I went to a junior college first, Ren Lake. I had a dream school of going to uh, the University of North Carolina, a big Jordan fan. And then when those letters from the ACC in North Carolina weren't coming through, but I was getting highly recruited by a lot of other schools, I decided to take the route of junior college. Plus, my grades weren't as good as they should have been. Now, had I known quite a few things that I know now, uh, I probably would have been valedictorian, but that's no excuse. <laughs> um, so I chose to go the junior college route first and I went there and it was a great decision for me you know I went there I went to Renly College 
and I had a, a great time. I learned a lot. I had a, a great coach. First, I had Gerald Mumbauer, but it was Glenn Box who took over my sophomore season, and we really turned it up. And then I w- was recruited by the University of Illinois. Once I decided to go there, and it just opened up a whole new world for me at the Division One level. And I could see things forming. I was around some other people by my senior year uh, under Joelette Law. And we were making a, a big run in the Big Ten tournament. Like, I let her know. I said, you know, I can see things. I, I want to continue playing. I, I like how far I've come. I'm still learning the game. And I'm still passionate. And I love it. And I, I want to continue. And I want to play at the professional level. I let it be known. You know, things took off from there. And I was fortunate enough to receive opportunities and still am receiving opportunities. So let's go back to you talked about how if you knew what you knew now about I'm assuming you were talking about grades and just improving your educational status prior to leaving high school and going into college that you would have taken a little bit more seriously. Is that what you meant? You know, just the I guess the power and I'm the same way, just what the power of a good education can do. It can unlock opportunities for scholarships. Like I think a lot of times maybe that goes unnoticed when you're in high school. You're not thinking about what a 3.5 or 3.8 can do having that for scholarship opportunities in the future. Is that what you were getting at? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I think about the time that I was in high school and the people I knew, I didn't know too many people that I could actually reach out to, could talk to me about the recruiting process, about what all is needed and what people are looking for, about what it takes to go to a high-level Division One program. You know, the timing that I found out what was what, it was too late, and I was already in the thick of things. But had I known, you know, the things that I know now, like, you know, I would have taken certain things a lot more seriously. I would have done better in school. I wouldn't have, you know, been lax in some areas and focused harder in some other ones. So I am a true advocate of telling people, you know, hit the books early. The sooner you know what it is that you want to do and your goals, you know, the better because you don't have to wait until you are in high school, a senior, a junior to decide, okay, yeah, now I want to try. If you know that you want to aspire to be great and, and play professional basketball at a certain age six you know now the way that social media is you have six-year-olds working out and posting things and, and trying to get that social media buzz to kind of catapult them a little bit and get certain looks much earlier than we could get looks when i was younger but yeah i mean i wish i knew half the things i knew now absolutely 100 percent agree You mentioned that MJ was slash maybe still is your favorite player. What was it about Michael's game or maybe it was about what he was doing off the court or with his teammates? Was there anything in particular that really stood out that drew you to Michael Jordan specifically? Partially, it was because when I lived overseas, there were only so many things that we could see from the state. And Michael Jordan was a big highlight. They would promote or they would air, you know, his games playing with the Chicago Bulls and whatnot overseas a lot more than just any other team playing. I just grew fond of of him and his style. 
you know, I, I'm a big sneakerhead as well, so I love the shoes. And it's just, I mean, he was the man for me, for sure. I was a big fan. I still am a big fan. Matter of fact, I was watching a documentary yesterday just because I still love him. You know, I still love what he did for the game during that time and in my generation of that. So I will forever be a fan. I mean, these days, my, my favorite player is LeBron, and there's always talked about who's better um, in the comparison. And, and I just don't compare because I can't. They haven't played against each other, you know, like that in their primes. And, and it's just like there's no reason to compare. I think they're equally great and doing things in their time frame. And LeBron is actually, for me, he's ahead of his game with everything that he does outside of, of basketball. Has LeBron specifically influenced you to, you mentioned, you know, starting your own brand recently where you want to highlight, especially with women, what they're doing on and off the court. Did that play into that decision? Like where, where did that originate from? Yeah. I mean, you know, I guess I could give credit to LeBron Um, with all of the things that he has been able to do in the moves, the business moves that he's made outside of playing. It makes you think about everything else that you are capable of and not boxing yourself in and doing everything there is that you can imagine yourself doing. You know, no one says that you have to just stick to your sports. I mean, people say it all the time, but (laughs) as athletes, we are more than athletes. We always have been. Plenty of us have gone off to college and we got our four-year degrees, some got MBAs, some are doctors. If we just stick to sports, then what does that mean? You know, we're just here for your entertainment. But yet, if I've, I've been playing sports my entire life, but there are other things that I also am good at that I love to do. I love to read. I love to write. I love music. You know, I have these other interests. And so when I took a break from playing here and there and I had got into coaching, but then it also gave me a chance to think about the things that I love and the things that I want to do. I took a step back and I, I just looked at, you know, I love fashion. So there, I do want a clothing line. You know, I love these things. I love candles, but whatever it is. And then I started thinking about all the other athletes I know that have other things and businesses that no one knows about. And it's like, why doesn't anyone know these things? Like, for instance, Danielle McCray. Um, she went to the University of Kansas, and she played a little bit in the WNBA, but she had played overseas, still plays overseas, and I, you know, I think highly of her, and I talk to her from time to time, but I talk to her more because of her business mindset. Uh, she owns a trucking company with her father down in Atlanta, I believe. She also does some forex trading. There was a time where I believe she owned a like a car wash or something like that. But she is all, always navigating and doing some other things. Um, I also know an athlete who started a candle company. I know an athlete who owns an ice cream shop. You know, and, and these stories are endless. And it's like, why doesn't everyone know that? Well, hey, if they don't know it, these are some stories that I would like to tell and also, you know, encourage other athletes, especially female athletes, to go after all of their dreams and, and break new ground and create their own lane and, and to be their best ever created self. So that's where we're at with that. Awesome. With the brand, 
obviously you have a lot of other responsibilities right now that may be a little bit more primary to your current goals, but where do you see that brand going in the future? Like, what do you want to do with it? How many people do you want to impact? Do you want to grow it internationally? Can you tell us a little bit about that? I would like it to be as big as anything, as big as possible. Um, I do see it going internationally just because I play internationally and, you know, I am the brand itself. I'm one of the walking billboards. I hope to, uh, I'm working on something now where we will have ambassadors, starting with players that are just playing overseas that don't have as big of a platform as maybe some other players, whether it be WNBA, NBA, whatever the case may be, and just kind of growing from there. You know, setting a different standard, showing something else, because there are so many people out there that have so much more to offer, but they don't know where to start. So with this brand, I hope to encourage the other people that are, one, creating a different lean for themselves, to also help encourage the next generation and show a little bit of the blueprint. Like, hey, for the up-and-coming person that's still in college right now playing, but they hope to play overseas, here is somebody that you can look up to that also does something outside of hoops or the field that you have an interest in. So if you want, here's somebody, you see them, you see their blueprint, and here's a little bit of a, a connection, and you can probably reach out to them through us a little bit too. Do you have social media or a website set up for that that you could direct listeners to if they're interested in learning more? Absolutely. So right now, you can find us on Instagram at bestevercreated. And then we're working on our website. It'll probably be up actually in the next two weeks, um, along with the online store. And we're just going to keep it going. I'm working on getting a podcast up and going where we will you know, introduce these athletes and the avenues they are in. We will talk to them about how they decided to go about things. We will branch off and continue to have this movement in any direction that we see fit and just keep it going from there. 30-second break to talk about my sponsor, Sweat With Scott. What a great sponsor she is. She's been with Pod since day one, and we love having her support. Sweat With Stods offers a number of different options to get you on a path to improve your fitness future. Everything from fitness, nutrition, and simple healthy habits. So what are you waiting for? Head over to sweatwithstods.com right now, and when you buy a program, enter the code DYNAMIC at checkout to receive a discount for being a loyal podcast listener. Now back to the show. I want to focus a little bit now on the, for lack of a better word, complexities of your professional basketball career. You are playing here in St. Louis. When I say here, I mean in America. You are also playing overseas. You've played in Greece, the Czech Republic, and Poland in the past. What's it like? Can you give us a little bit more insight? I think a lot of times when you hear professional athlete, you're like, wow, this is super glamorous. And in a way, obviously, it's going to be better than what you could consider for your average corporate worker or something like that. But it seems like at least on the women's side from an outside perspective that the work that you have to put in is obviously a little bit more than maybe what the men have to do in order to get recognition in order to get playing time in order to get opportunities. So I'd love for you just to talk to us a little bit about what it's like for you on a day-to-day basis and how you go about 
determining where you're going to play and how you're going to go about it? Oh, that's a fully loaded scenario. <laughs> One, I love to play. So there are times when I hear people talk about us playing year-round and things of that nature. As I get older, I'm more aware of just how much I play. You know, and I, I take time to myself and I take some days off to rehab, rejuvenate, and to make sure that I am still able to have that longevity that I hope for. But it seems like we have to do things and go about things three times harder than men have to in certain ways when we talk about athletes. And, and that's just because we are continuing to push the envelope and create our own lanes. I think that every sport, as women fighting for, for better pay, to be seen more, but we also have women at the top who deserve it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, we have a 15-year-old, you know, I'm drawing a blank on her name right now, who, who just defeated her idol, Venus, um, in, in tennis. You know what I mean? And, and you're telling me she's not a prodigy. You're telling me that she doesn't deserve to be seen and to be paid. She just knocked out, you know, one of the greatest players there is. And she is, quote, unquote, a baby. You know, so she's only getting started. And then, uh, you know, we have Rapinoe uh, with the U.S. women's soccer team, who is, I mean, she's a fierce competitor, but she is a fantastic person, if I must say myself. When, when we see her in entertainment and in the spotlight, I think she's a great spokeswoman for actually anything she just decides to speak up about, which is equal rights, women's sports, gay and lesbian rights, LGBT community, all of these things. And I just think women these days are finding their voice more and more because we are tired of being an afterthought. We are tired of being like second-class citizens, especially at home. When we talk about athletes, we can go overseas and make more money and are you know, treated better in certain ways. And just think, whew, that's not fair for anyone. If men can, quote-unquote, easily get paid a little bit more, or not even a little bit more, get paid a lot more, and be able to stay home and play in front of their friends and family, you know, we, we would like to have those same, same options, of course, so. I'm wondering if you have some knowledge on this just because of your travels when you were younger and now even through your professional basketball career. But I'm curious, when you talk about the difference in pay specifically, that you can get overseas versus what you can get in the States. When you go to Greece or you go to Poland, does it seem like not just the atmosphere that your professional team is, but the atmosphere in general throughout the country is a little bit more progressive when it comes to women than it is in the States? Like, Do you get that sense? Actually, for me, it's a different vibe there because I think in the States, we can be more progressive for sure with when it comes to women being able to wear what we want, do what we want, work whatever job we want, drive overseas. You know, every country has a little bit of something different. You know, there are countries that just allowed their women to drive just earlier this year or late last year. There are looks that I would receive in certain countries because my whole face is being shown or some skin is being shown. So I think in general, overall, we are more progressive in the state when it comes to women and, and women's rights. But when it comes to 
athletics and sports overseas, they are more progressive. Like if a team uh, or if a country has decided that they're going to have women's teams, then they're going to do the thing that it takes to have a women's team. I think what it comes down to is finances and promotion. Um, a lot of countries overseas, it is their country and the government in that town, the government of that town that take care of some of the payment for their athletics. For instance, in Poland, I was just in Poland and, you know, I finished up with a team in Torum and it is the government and the city that, you know, takes care of half of that payment for that team in that city. And then the other half comes from sponsors and it is a, a year-round thing to make sure that you have sponsors. It looks like in the States when we talk about, and if I just use the WNBA, for example, for yourself, how often do you see a WNBA commercial? Never. Exactly, never. Or a month before the season starts. That's not even realistic. The NBA, you think that the NBA never stops. <laughs> sure, the championship game just ended, but every day since, what we're talking about what? All the upcoming draft. Who's going to go? We we're excited to see this kid coming out. Then we talk about free agency. And it's every day. It's in your face all of the time. WNBA, it's not marketed the same. Women's sports, they're not marketed the same. And so, you know, I hate when I see certain messages and, and Twitter messages of, of people saying, well, nobody watches these sports. That comment is twofold. One, who do we blame? I, I would easily blame some of these teams in the back offices of these franchises because stop waiting till right before the season to promote them, to reach out, to try and broadcast. Then I would blame, you know, I, I also blame the men in the NBA franchises that hold the umbrella for their WNBA franchise. How does the Minnesota Lynx that are tied to the Minnesota Timberwolves not have commercials running often enough, not have, you know, their gear being flashed enough and, and talks of their players who are champions? They've won several championships. And then the demand is there because there are plenty of people that do want to watch these things but it's not out there in their face, like the NBA or the NFL or, you know, baseball and hockey. There would be quite a bit of difference if this was on the TV screen or in their face all the time, like all of these other sports. What about someone like you that has experience in the States, has experience overseas? Are you looked at as somebody that can positively influence some of that change? Like, does the leadership ever come to you from whatever organization it is? It doesn't even need to be basketball related, but maybe there's other sport platforms in the States that say, Hey, Rebecca has this experience overseas. She might be able to provide some additional perspective on how we can catch up on something like the wages that we talked about with money and, and everything, or just your overall perspective getting outside of the States. Cause not everybody does that. Like, are you looked at, or looked up to or spoken to in a way that says like, Hey, I can provide some value that I would never be able to provide. <laughs> and I feel like a lot of people that haven't gone overseas wouldn't be able to provide as well. It's funny you ask that question. Cause I really, until the last couple of years, I never really considered myself to have that much value, I guess, so to speak. But then I realized that, with every team that I've ever been a part of, I actually have conversations with, with the front office 
and with my coaches, like most people don't. And I don't know why they don't, but, you know, I've always had an interest of how things work, the inner working. I was always a kid that asked, why? Why do we have to do this? Why? And, and it wasn't a sign of disrespect, just wanting to know the ins and outs and, and, and how things work. I do have some value there. You know, I have asked and kind of found out how things work overseas and how they go about making players' contracts and how they go about talking to and finding certain sponsors. And then the same with here in the state, uh, working closely with my owner and general manager of the St. Louis Surge, who she's been at it, this is her eighth season, and I've actually played with her for six seasons, and I've seen things grow, and I get more and more involved because I like the potential, I like where we're heading, and I like the way we do things. And it's comparable to some of the better teams that I've been a part of overseas and making sure that we've got what we need and we are well taken care of as athletes. And, and that takes work. And it is year-round. Like, while most teams, uh, especially when I talk about teams in the U.S. Or, or women's teams, when the season is over, everyone wants to take a break, you know. But, but my general manager and owner, Kalia, she is right back to work because it doesn't stop. You have to prepare for the next season and, and the longevity of, of having a franchise and pushing it to the next level and making sure you have sponsors on board. That way you can go after bigger and better players the next year and contend for a championship every year. Like, these are things that you have to continue to promote. Also, we want a great fan base. On average, you know, we're about 2,000 to 3,000 fans. And that, that's a lot of work to pull in this amount of people to come see our franchise on a regular basis on game day. You know, they come in, they bring the hype. And not only that, other people in other franchises can see how we do things. And then here's a blueprint. That way, if everyone is on board and we've got all these other teams doing the same thing, everyone can grow. And we can grow the women's game and we get more people involved. We get more young girls and athletes who want to play. We get more people in everyone's communities that want to see the game. And this is how we keep it going for years to come and pushing the envelope for women's sports all across the board. It, it's kind of a situation where everybody eats, everybody helps everybody, and we keep it moving. Yeah, such interesting conversation. I appreciate all your insight and your advice to maybe people that need a little bit of a kick in the butt uh, within the industry to get moving with some of the marketing efforts and just the seriousness of it all when you talk about it being a year-long thing where you can't take a break and just got to keep the foot on the pedal and keep going. So uh, I appreciate I appreciate the insight there. I'd love to hear what your future looks like, not only in terms of what do you see for you know the the rest of your playing career and how that might lead into what you do in the next phases of your career, whether you go fully into these entrepreneurial type journeys or you become, you continue to become an influencer within the industry that can help push things forward and make it a more progressive and more marketable uh, industry. You know, I just can, uh, I just hope to continue to use the platform I'm on however big or small or, or whatever the case may be, but use the platform I'm, I'm on to push the envelope and to, you know, help 
create other avenues for other players upcoming or the ones that are right beside you because there are just so many things out there that people don't know about, so many things out there that still have room to grow. So that's really where I'm at. Like, I enjoy the process. I enjoy playing. I kind of want to play till the wheels fall off. And when that's over with, I would like to be able to transition into kind of a front office role. But meanwhile, you know, I'm planting the seeds all along the way and keeping other things going, you know, because there's just so, so many things out there. Like a lot of even even the girls that I play with or the basketball players from overseas and whatnot don't really know how many leagues there are during the summer outside of the WNBA. Like, there are other leagues at a competitive level that you can continue to play at and get better. And honestly, if the right group of overseas players actually all dive in, we will end up having even more WNBA franchise because that door needs to bust wide open too because there is just so much talent out there and just not enough spots, it seems. And so we're just trying to do what is necessary for all of us to grow. Take us into a little bit more of a conversation with learning and development. With my company, Talent 409, we talk about the seven pillars of dynamic leadership. And a couple of the pillars that you personally have identified with are courage and drive and accountability. Let's start with courage. Why does that specific pillar stand out to you? It stands out to me because I think it takes a lot of courage to kind of step out there on your own and voice your opinion, whether people agree with it or not, and to kind of voice the things you see and the avenue that you want to take because, you know, there are always going to be the naysayers and people trying to hold you back and tell you you're not good enough. But it'll take, it always takes some courage to kind of take that first step and to go after the things you want because you might not always have the support that you wish you would have. That's why that stands out to me. I love that definition, if you will, that you just gave because you are the type of person that encompasses courage. Like everything you just said, you practice, you do. So it's one of those things like through your actions, you are displaying courage and you're not just saying it or thinking about it because you read it in a book. You are actually somebody that believes courage can take you to a lot of great places and lead to a lot of success. So Really love that. And the second pillar is driving accountability. What stands out about that pillar? There is a saying that I kind of live by, which is you got to speak certain things into existence. And then to speak these things into existence, into a crowd, you need courage to do that. Why? Because this crowd is going to be there to hold you accountable for the things that you've stated. So, you know, my drive and my work ethic allows me to say these things with confidence you know if I say that I want to make a million dollars in you know the next 10 years I wholeheartedly mean that and then over these course of the 10 years whoever I've said this to I expect you to check in and be like where are you at with this or what are you working on or whatever the case may be and I'm not afraid to do that there are a lot of people that are afraid to speak their goals into existence they don't really want people to hold them accountable they would like to be able to kind of whisper them. And if they accomplish them, great. If they don't, nobody knows. But that is not how I live my life. I'd rather people know 
but I go about it in such a way because I'm also afraid of being jinxed. I am, but I still want people to know, like, yo, I'm going after certain things. There are things that I want to accomplish, and, you know, if you and I are close, I'd like you to be a part of this ride, and let's say we can accomplish these things together. So, you know, I, I find people that have a certain type of drive that I do because, you know, I like to bounce ideas off of people, and you feel better hanging around people that you know have that same drive. You know, like you guys are both going after something that's bigger than yourselves. And, and I need an accountability partner. You know, there are some times that I might fall off too, and I appreciate being held accountable for the things that I said that I was going to do. I can't be mad at you. I'd be more mad at myself because I did say this thing. I think that's awesome. And with that accountability partner, as you called it, does it matter? Like, is it in the, if it's in the terms of basketball or if it's in the terms of your personal life, who are those partners? Like, I mean, how do you identify who you're going to talk to or what group of people you're going to talk to? Do you have different people or is it like a select exclusive group that always gets to know what's going on with you? Over the last two, three years, I definitely have my circle for sure. You know, I will certainly mention my the team owner for the St. Louis Serge, Kalia Collier. She is one of my accountability partners. Just because I think that she does a great job in the community that we're in here in St. Louis, and she completely pushes the envelope. You know, uh, she had bought this team eight years ago. I think she was 22 or 23. She was pretty young. And since then, she's been busting doors wide open and making history. It's like, you know, top 30, under 30, entrepreneur and whatnot, and for me to have someone uh, that close to me that's doing all these things, you know, I had to make sure that I jumped on board to pick her brain and to have her close by. That way, you know, if anything that I need business-wise or as I venture out with my brand, like there's someone that's already gone through certain things. And to have someone like that around, uh, it's a godsend, it's a blessing because I don't know too many people like herself that has been in this position at this age um, to be a young black woman like myself and accomplishing so many great things. You know, I wish her well and I love the route that she's taken and it kind of just, you know, pushes me to go harder in my own right and, and creating my own life. And then of course there are my family, my loved ones, you know, my best friend, my right hand, uh, Christy, uh, she actually plays overseas as well. She's a professional athlete. She's also a teammate of mine. Uh, we are very close. Although she is not as, I guess, hardcore and gung-ho as I am, you know, she's a great balance to me, and I bring her ideas, and, and she helps push me and will promote and tell me what she thinks about, you know, this or that. And, and you need those people in your corner. Not someone that's necessarily going to feed you some BS, but to tell you the truth about things and get you to go back to the drawing board with some things. So those are two people that I really hold close. And then I've got some former coaches that I talk to every now and then. And, and you know, I wish them well. They're still coaching at the Division One level, and I pick their brains. But yeah, I definitely got a solid circle around me. Solid indeed, and it's one of those things 
whether it's a partner, whether it's a circle, I think it's so cool that not only do you take that approach where you want to speak them into existence and you let your goals and your aspirations be known, but just having people to hold you accountable is important, but it's also a way to hold yourself accountable by putting yourself out there. And I just think that's such a unique attribute to have and really inspiring for me to hear. Really interestingly enough, that question in a way answered a few of the people that may have been inspirational in leaders and influencers in your life. But before we let you go, I just want to see if there's anyone else in your life that you want to give a shout out to that has been a leader and has been somebody that you've looked up to for that type of advice that you want to shout out quickly. I mean, for the most part, I guess I already shouted them out quite a bit. Um, (laughs) Talia, she's doing great things. I think if anyone has the opportunity to come through St. Louis and look her up um, or catch a game during this summer, I think she is great for any business mind coming through the area. Also, I'd like to shout out another professional athlete that's been kind of doing her own thing and creating some other avenues. Fan favorite. Uh, you can actually find her at fan favorite on Instagram. Jory Davis. You know, I mean, and these are just athletes that I know from around the way that are doing some great things and, and promoting the game and also just creating special avenues for everyone to kind of do their thing. Fan favorite is Lakeisha Sutton. So, Definitely check her out. She actually has started doing these tours. She has a book out, and uh, she's from the New Jersey area. Definitely check them out. So that's all I got. Awesome. If people want to get in touch with you after hearing this conversation, just reach out and say that they enjoyed it or they want to learn a little bit more about your brand or anything else that you're doing. Is there an easy way to get in touch with you, Rebecca? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can follow me on social media, Instagram, Rebecca H30, or my other one at Best Ever Created. My email address, rtharris30 at gmail. And, and yeah, just, you know, send me a message, DM me. Um, I'm always up for good conversation and some ideas of branding and marketing. You know, I love to bounce things off of other people and different leaders around the way. Awesome. I will provide that information in the show notes for anyone that's listening. Easy reference as we always do with our guests. Rebecca, thank you so much for taking time out of your, I know you're on a break this week, but in the middle of the season to have this conversation today and to talk to us, it was a super interesting conversation. I really enjoyed it and I hope you enjoyed the conversation as well. Absolutely. This was a, a good time, a fun time. Uh, I hope you stay in contact. I will continue to check out your podcast and I'll follow you. And yeah, maybe we could do this again sometime in the future and talk about some other things. But this this was great. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Thank you again to Rebecca for hopping on the podcast today. What an interesting background she has. And wow, she's doing so many different amazing things with her basketball career and the things that she aspires to do with her time off the court and in her future in life after basketball. So definitely have a lot of interesting things to look forward to with Rebecca and looking forward to staying in touch with her in the future as well. As I mentioned in the intro, 
stay tuned in the coming weeks for not only episode number 50 of the podcast, special episode coming up, but a lot of different ideas that we're going to be running through to spice things up a little bit for myself and for the listening audience. But thank you as always to you, the audience, for coming back week after week. I really appreciate it. Thank you to my sponsor, Sweat With Stods. Go to www.sweatwithstods today to figure out what she can do for your fitness future tomorrow.